Okay, okay, simmer down. I'm going to cover a little bit about the impeachment today since people continue to contact me through our email asking me to do so. And I want to make a few final points about this theme I've been hitting this week regarding this reverse racism that's creeping into every facet of American life, even sports, culminating uh, this week with this harsh uh, criticism of the accolades being given to Tom Brady. I mean, after all, why does the man deserve accolades? He only won seven Super Bowls and appeared in ten. Most quarterbacks would like to be able to claim numbers like that at the accumulation of three careers, let alone just one. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. And you can do so in one of three ways. Go to the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store, depending which device you use. And you can subscribe directly that way. You can also download the Podbean app in either of those two locations, our hosting service. It's a free app, and you can subscribe. Subscription is free, regardless of which method you choose. And despite which method you choose, you can still leave reviews. You can still make comments about the show. Uh, And please do leave us a review in the Uh, various app stores, uh, because it will allow the show to be found more readily when people search for new conservative content um, in this era of increasing podcast usage as the mainstream media descends into mediocrity and becomes a monolithic sounding board for the left. Okay. You can also, uh, in addition to subscribing, if you wish to contact us directly, please do so at national. Preview online at gmail.com. Okay, so you've all heard the broadcast I made earlier this week talking about how the left, uh, or even the, the news media, the sports media, wasn't really covering much with the Super Bowl, not giving Brady the accolades uh, you might expect, almost as if they were getting bored by him winning. I thought it was a very interesting story, a pivotal story, because all of the criticisms you heard over the years from the the naysayers, the jealous ones, the haters, if you will, that's the new age term, right, against Brady all comes because of one reason. They try to say that he's not really a great quarterback, he's not a great athlete, he's simply a good system quarterback. He plays well in that system, and without a system, he's no good. Uh, and that was all attributed to Bill Belichick. Well, that was disproven when Brady went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and was able to win. And it says something about the man when not only did he go to another team and excel, but look how many preeminent players wanted to go with him. Rob Gronkowski, the Hall of Fame tight end, or destined to be Hall of Fame tight end, lured out of retirement to play with Brady. Antonio Brown happily comes back to play with Brady because they know what he's capable of. And although there's been reverse racism on the part of um, some people like that Bree Newsom chick I told you about, the one who climbed the flagpole in South Carolina and removed the Confederate flag. I have to say, to the credit of the black athletes in the NFL and a lot of the black sportscasters on ESPN, that reverse racism sentiment 
has not been shared by them. And I think that accrues very greatly, not only to their decency as human beings and athletes, but to their credibility in their current careers as sportscasters. They have an eye for talent and they recognize greatness when they see it. You've heard these things acknowledged about Brady by none other than people like Deion Sanders, Ray Lewis, uh, Antonio Brown, his own um, teammates. They know it. Look, I take nothing away from Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a phenomenal athlete. I saw him do things in that Super Bowl, even though he was injured, that I don't know that any quarterback can do. Uh, I saw him get spun around 180 degrees, almost 360 degrees, rather, and still come off and gun it into the end zone and narrowly had a touchdown. I saw him falling. He was almost parallel to the ground, and the man sidearmed it, and it was dead on. That ball was catchable. The man just didn't come down with it. I'm not saying it would have changed the outcome of the game, but the man is a never-say-die competitor, and he's a gifted athlete. However, as I pointed out the other day, all athletes whose success derives essentially from their athleticism and their athletic ability, if they don't have a concomitant um, ability mentally in the game, an incredible work ethic and a mental feel for the game, as their athleticism wanes, so will their performance on the field. And this is something that that idiot, as I've said before, Max Kellerman from ESPN, cannot understand because Max Kellerman never did anything in his life. He's the ultra, the ultimate um, you know, beta male, metrosexual male, whatever you want to call him. He's not a he-man, that's for sure. He doesn't understand. He may cover sports, but he doesn't understand athletics. As I've said many times, Brady... Brady and his greatness never derive from his athleticism. In the um, trials that they do, uh, forget what they call it. I had, I had the word on the tip of my tongue the other, just earlier today, and I, I'm forgetting it again. The combine, the quarterback combine, where they have to do a number of events. He finished the worst of his peers when he competed that year. Slowest time in the 40-yard in the dash and all that. So... The diminution of his athleticism over the course of his career of his speed has not been as pronounced because he didn't have it in abundance to begin with. But he's got a tremendous work ethic. He trains. He does a lot of strength training. And he really hasn't lost much. His arm is still accurate. He still has deep ball accuracy. Uh, And he may not be able to wing it from all kinds of positions like Patrick Mahomes can or maybe Aaron Rodgers can. But that's not to say that Brady has a weak arm. Far from it. So when Max Kellerman calls it a spaghetti arm, he just doesn't know what he's talking about. But he has that work ethic. He has the ability to bring other people up to his level around him. He commands the respect of all his teammates, black and white. People just want to be with him. They want to play with him. They want to play for him. Now, Patrick Mahomes, I think, has leadership qualities, and I think he has the respect of his teammates as well. And I think as long as he stays healthy, He's going to have a very long and illustrious career. There's not many people I've ever seen can do the things with a football that Patrick Mahomes can. But that doesn't mean that Brady doesn't deserve the accolades that he's getting. He has, as I said before, one of the highest winning percentages of any professional athlete in any sport, perhaps the highest. And 
it says much about the man that his peers, regardless of race, are all effusive in their praise for the man and their admiration for him. In fact, I give him great credit. When he won the Super Bowl that year, when they had that unbelievable comeback victory against the Falcons, um, that was the year that piece of garbage that calls himself the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, actually suspended Brady for a number of games, acting as judge, jury, and executioner for that inflate gate or deflate gate scandal, which was never proven. It was ridiculous. If I were Brady, after having overcome that with my team, then going to the Super Bowl, going into overtime, the first overtime Super Bowl ever, and winning that unbelievable come-from-behind victory, I wouldn't have been able to resist a Burt Reynolds moment. And by that, I'm referring to that epic scene at the end of The Longest Yard, which has had a sort of a cult following as a movie, where he walks up to the warden with the game ball and says, stick this in your trophy case. That's what I would have told Roger Goodell when he handed me the Lombardi trophy. I would have said, stick this in your trophy case. Because Roger Goodell did everything he could to keep the New England Patriots and Tom Brady from winning that year. And nothing he could do would deny those men. He did it regardless. So my hat's off to the very, very sincere, credible, honorable, and decent African-American athletes who, not because they're psychophants, but because they're fair men and they call it like they see them, uh, like they see it, have acknowledged uh, Brady's achievements and do not feel that by doing so that it's racist or reverse racist and in any way diminishes the great future that Pat Mahomes uh, has in the league and other great black athletes have uh, in the league. So my hat's off to them. I don't want anybody to think that I'm, I'm uh, including the great athletes uh, that have done the right thing uh, when I made my criticisms of some of these uber leftists that uh, just can't give Brady uh, the credit that he deserves. Okay, enough of that. We don't want to turn this into a sports casting show, but if enough people ask me to comment on professional sports, I guess I'll start doing that as well. But on to the impeachment and other matters. So the impeachment of President Trump this unconstitutional impeachment of President Trump is winding down. It's getting into its final days. And there's some very, very interesting things that are going on with this impeachment. One of the things about the impeachment is that now they made a startling admission. And when I say they, I'm referring to the House managers. That's what you have in an impeachment. They act as the prosecutors. We saw that in the Clinton trial, which was the first impeachment in my lifetime. And we saw it again in President Trump's first trial, and now we have this one. Rand Paul pointed this out the other day, that the House Democrats made a, a startling admission and were not able to prove that he incited violence on, Cap on Capitol Hill on January 6th. And according to his remarks to Fox News, he said that he would recommend to Trump's lawyers that they capitalize on something extraordinary that the impeachment managers admitted. They admitted that President Trump was not impeached for his words. Now, this is sort of extraordinary because I'm not sure how you incite 
someone to insurrection or to this violence they say he alone is responsible for if it's not through his words. This is the quote from Rand Paul. Now think about that. They said that he told the crowd to go out and protest. Let's march down and protest. But he said, well, let's fight. He said, let's go down and fight. Fight for your rights. He said, let's, and then he said, let's peaceably protest. And the word fight was supposed to be taken literally and not as a, a euphemism. People say that all the time, we're going to fight for, for health care. We're going to fight for this. That means they're advocating to go out and have violence. So now they're saying he didn't do it by his words. And, and Rand Paul went on to say, they finished up by saying, well, it's not through his words. It, it's because he advocated that the election was stolen. Well, a lot of people think the election was stolen, myself included. And more and more evidence is coming out every day. You don't see it because the mainstream media is suppressing it. But it is coming out. Now, this is significant because, as Paul pointed out, this is hypocritical. Because if Trump incited the insurrection by advocating that the election was stolen, so was Nancy Pelosi. So was Hillary Clinton in 2016. They claimed the election was stolen. They claim it was illegitimate. They claim back then that it was the Russians that got Trump elected. Why weren't they responsible for violence? And I'll remind you, there was violence in Washington on inauguration day. They burned cars. They rioted. They didn't go after the Capitol building, but they rioted. So are the House managers saying it's only inciting insurrection when they go to the Capitol, when they burn other places down, it's okay because they're not affecting them? But let me tell you what somebody else is not saying. You know, Jack Drummond, I've mentioned his name on this show before. Jack Drummond was a, uh, a writer. He's since passed on. He was a political commentator, I think, for the Chicago Tribune. He was syndicated. He used to be a guest on the, the show, uh, The McLaughlin Group, run by the late John McLaughlin on uh, NBC, I believe. It's a half-hour program. And during the Bush campaign of 2000, George W., he mentioned something, which I never forgot. He was commenting on the acumen of the Bush campaign. He said, someone in the Bush campaign has a very good ear. You know, in politics, they say you have to have a third ear. You have to be able to hear what one side is saying. You have to be able to hear what the other side is saying. And you have to be able to hear what no one is saying, what no one is mentioning. And so I'm going to give you this little tidbit that no one is mentioning in any of these articles I've read concerning this presentation of the case against Trump by the House managers and their now assertion that it's not because of his words. It's because he had advocated all along that the election was stolen. Something that Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, and others did with no evidence. And it was thoroughly investigated, and they found nothing. Well, let me tell you why they did that. Because it has since been adequately demonstrated through investigation by the FBI and through reporting in many mainstream media outlets like the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and other newspapers, that this riot, if you want to call it that, this storming of the Capitol on January 6th, was planned well in advance of January 6th, weeks in advance, as a matter of fact. That is now common knowledge. Once that became common knowledge, once that was out there, it became impossible for the House managers to convict Trump 
for inciting that action on January 6th through his words spoken on January 6th because they know there's no way he could have caused it because it was planned weeks in advance. In fact, the actual storming of the Capitol began that day before he even spoke that day, before he even finished speaking. So how do you do it? Well, for months following the election, Trump said the election was stolen, and many people agreed with him. So they have to tie it to that, because that is the only thing they can hang their hat on that took place before the weeks leading up to this insurrection on January 6th. They're going to try and make the threadbare argument that, well, I know that this thing was planned weeks before January 6th, but it wasn't planned weeks before Trump started saying the election was stolen. And that's about as weak as it gets. It's completely undercut, as I said, by the fact that Hillary Clinton did the same thing in 2016, and so did Nancy Pelosi, and so did a host of other people. The impeachment managers with Representative Jamie Raskin at the head, concluded the case on Thursday after two days of presentations, showing new footage and audio of the incident and assertions from rioters saying they stormed the Capitol at Trump's request. I'd like to see who these rioters are. I don't believe they stormed the Capitol at Trump's request. Paul said that he condemned the violence perpetrated at the Capitol, but believes that the standard should be applied equally for both sides. Quote, so really, I think... They've given up their case, but they showed endless hours of terrible violence and mayhem, and those people should be punished on both sides of the aisle. We agree to that. But they never made their case that the president incited them through any kind of unusual language that Democrats, frankly, haven't done done much worse. Jim Jordan of Ohio also told Fox uh, that although the Democrats highlighted Trump's fight-like-hell remark on numerous times, they obviated completely another section of Trump's speech where he explicitly instructed protesters to be peaceful. Quote, the one line from President's speech that wasn't in the Democrats' video is the line that's most important. And that's where the president said, peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. And he did say that. If you go back and look at it, he did say that. Meanwhile... Things are getting a little dicey over at Smartmatic. That's the people that have the software that manipulated all these votes. That's the the people, that and Dominion, that uh, Mike Lindell, the uh, founder of the MyPillow company, who is now a candidate for the governor of Minnesota, is running around with a video showing with a computer expert just how these votes came in from China. They are trying to fight for their very lives. They're fighting for their very lives because they're now trying, they've been suing Fox News personalities Maria Bartiromo, Janine Pirro, including the former Fox host Lou Dobbs, who was discharged last week uh, under ridiculous circumstances. They just don't like the fact that he supports President Trump. These three personalities are going into court trying to get this lawsuit dismissed. I would rather see them litigated all the way because I want to see these people uh, deposed. I want to see them questioned. I want to see the discovery. But they're fighting for their lives. Why? Because they can't allow the company to be disgraced. If they allow the company to be disgraced, then they will, by definition, implicate people in the Democratic Party. And moreover, the Democrats in those states want to keep that software in those states so they continue to win elections. It was thrown out of Florida because it was a corrupt type software, uh, easily manipulated, and they want to keep that software so they can control these things. 
That's what you have going on there. It's ridiculous when you think about it. It really is. But they're not giving up. They never do. So after the, all of this is said and done, we have petty lawsuits. This is the news of the day. We have a, an impeachment, as I said yesterday, that Lindsey Graham is already saying he's told the president privately that it's done. There's no way they can convict you. There's no way they will convict you. Um, we're just waiting for the vote. They're not over. We have another little tidbit. It's being theorized now that the Democrats may try the 14th Amendment to disqualify Trump with a simple majority vote. Now, I don't know how this works, and I would love to see some legal scholars weigh in on this. By raising the 14th Amendment issue, this is uh, the quote from a constitutional attorney by the name of Rick Green. By raising the 14th Amendment issue, they are looking for an opportunity to get a vote that does not require two-thirds. How would this scenario work exactly? This is what I'd like to hear more about. I'm going to research this over the weekend and try and come back to you with something next week. But it seems to me that the only authority that the Senate has over the president is an impeachment. And it seems to me that an impeachment uh, only gives them authority when he's the president. Because the purpose of an impeachment, not being a criminal trial, is to simply remove a president. We've discussed this before. You can't remove somebody who's already gone. So if they can't get a conviction on the underlying charge, how can they get some sort of ruling or vote that disqualifies them? Who were they? The Lords of Parliament, the House of Lords? They're going to get a a simple majority vote that says that President Trump is forbidden? from running again? Who were they to deprive someone of a constitutional right? And I'm convinced that if they get a vote like that, and the Supreme Court of the United States does not agree to hear that, and not only hear it, but slam it down saying it is beyond the authority of of, uh, the Senate to issue such a ruling because it would violate the separation of powers. They're supposed to be equally powerful not being the case, if that is allowed to happen, I think the Supreme Court is finished. I think people will lose respect for it. I think any attempt to pack it would then be met with severe resistance. You've already got nine useless justices. What the hell do you need 15 useless justices for? They hear fewer and fewer cases each year. The notion that we need more people because that dip dip brain, Nancy Pelosi, said, well, there's more people in the United States. Well, how does that follow? Because there's more people in the country, we need more judges? They're not hearing any more cases. They're hearing fewer cases. Nancy, go back and lay down. Have another drink, you slurring... I don't want to say it, even though I'm not bound by FCC regulations, but I don't want to say it because I want to keep this a a general content show so that people can listen to it with the with their children or educate their children if they want to. And speaking of education, there's one little tidbit I want to give you. I may have mentioned it um, once or twice fleetingly on the show, but I want to mention it again today for sure. We've all been disappointed with the way even a once venerable news agency like Fox News has gone by the wayside and is becoming further and further left of center, anti-Trump, anti-conservative. There are a few hosts that are hanging on, but with the discharge of Lou Dobbs last Friday, I've been wondering 
What is the future for some real great hosts over there like Maria Bartiromo? How long before her ticket is punched and she's given her walking papers? Where are these hosts going to go? Are they going to come back? Is anything going to happen? I think they will. I hope they will. But there are places to get news. Now, not local news per se. Local news you're going to have to get, unfortunately, locally here in the United States. But things that happen on the national stage here in the U.S. are world news because the strength or lack thereof of the United States of America, economically and militarily, has a rippling effect across the globe. Nowhere is that rippling effect more palpable and more closely watched than in places like Australia. Australia is in the Pacific, and it would very quickly come under the thumb of the Communist Chinese Party if China were to rapidly expand its power, encroaching on Australia if it perceives weakness in the U.S. military, which it undoubtedly does now that Joe Biden is president. I mean, many ridiculous things are coming out of the Biden administration. The talk of banning Floridians from traveling because of a new outbreak of a UK strain of COVID while simultaneously having no compunction whatsoever against letting illegal aliens from third world dumps cross our southern border against the laws of the United States and come in here. But the Australians are very, very pro-American, very pro-conservative, very pro-Trump. Sky News is a news outfit that, strangely enough, is also owned by Rupert Murdoch, but it seems to be much more conservative than the Fox News that we have here. Now, there's a Sky News in the UK, and there's a specific app, Sky News Australia. Australia. I encourage everyone to download the Sky News Australia app. Now, for a while, I thought they would deep-six that, because I used to listen to a man named Alan Jones, is a bunch of hosts, Michael Murray. It's a bunch of hosts on there. They always have great content. Uh, they cover all the stuff in the U.S. And for a while, I didn't see any updates. After December, it looked like there was no updates. I thought maybe they had stopped the feed or Apple had removed them. But just last week, lo and behold, I see everything is now current again. So I guess whatever was the problem has been fixed. The app is working. You can download the shows as, as podcasts. You can listen to them as a stream. It's great. They also have, some of the hosts have actually uh, podcasts in the iTunes App Store. So my little word of advice for you to do your project over the weekend, go to your respective App Store, be it the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store, and download Sky News Australia. You won't regret it. Have a nice weekend. I'll see you Monday. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.